Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. Not my will, but yours be done. And uh, Caleb, I don't remember the, one of the first lines of that song. Something about my heart is bent to exalt self. Something kind of like that. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? You know, that we are, in our flesh, we are bent that way. And, uh, and, as, and you know, as he was singing that and knowing what I've, what the Lord's laid on my heart to kind of preach uh, this morning, you know, I thought how much that applies to, to everything, even, even to us taking up the offering. Because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it's hard to dig some money out and because, see, that's one of the ways self wants to exalt itself. Hey, that's, that's, uh, that's my money. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to spend that on me or on my wife or on my kids or on my grandkids or whatever. And, and you know, and, and, I, and I'm a preacher, and I know that's wrong. I mean, that ain't even right. It's God's money. Everything I have is God's. Everything, everything that I have is God's. But that tendency to exalt self crops up often and uh over the over the next few weeks I, I don't know i don't know how many weeks frankly um and i'm not there yet but i'm going to tell you where i'm going you know i told i have told you guys before i spent a career in sales and marketing right and they would and they always one of the teachings and sales and marketing okay when you get before your audience you you tell them what you're going to tell them and then you tell them and then you tell them what you told them. And, uh, you know, and it ain't bad. It helps us to remember. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. We're going we're to talk over the next few weeks about spiritual sacrifices. And that, and that word sacrifice, does, it doesn't even really roll off my tongue just real well. Right, because it, it has the connotation to us sometimes, I'm afraid, of giving something up that we don't want to give up. A sacrifice. When the reality is, there is no sacrifice for God. You, we give up nothing. We give up nothing that He does not give us over and over, blessings above. And... Uh, you know, as, as, we, as we started this, we, we didn't actually start it last week, but in our New Year's Eve message that, uh, you know, that I preached last week, I, I looked at, at Philippians chapter 3, right? Be, you know, 12 and 13 in there where, where, uh, where, where Paul is, is talking about how, how the, the Philippians ought to, uh, to kind of live and what his strategy and goal for life was. And he said this, he said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which lie behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. The apostle 
message to us is that this side of heaven, we, we, never, we never arrive at full spiritual maturity. And like the Apostle Paul, if we are saved, we should not be content to remain where we are in our walk with God. But to keep pressing forward, to keep reaching forward. Paul's goal was that I might know him and I might know the power of his resurrection and I might know his fellowship that might even come through suffering. And those, those goals are, are what, uh, what I want us to, to do. Last week I talked a bit about how we might do that, how we reach forward and keep pressing we talked about the, maybe a renewed emphasis on prayer, renewed emphasis on reading, on reading the Word. Jesus, in His continued interaction with His disciples, talked to them about growing in their faith. Right on several occasions, as He is teaching, exhorting, encouraging, sometimes encouraging, sometimes just exhorting, Oh, you of little faith, where is your faith? He would say, and others that that showed faith, you know, like like uh, the the people that he healed and the the rich young ruler. They he said, "I have never seen such great faith." Right. So so faith. Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Each time we meet whether it is on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night or whether it's in a Sunday school class or a Bible study or a prayer meeting, we should study the Word of God. Last week I encouraged you in a Bible reading plan, right, that we might immerse ourselves in in reading the Bible, perhaps reading the Bible through, but... Uh, re- reading the Bible m- more every day and thereby grow in our, uh, in our faith and in our walk with the Lord. And I want to continue kind of in that element today. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, Peter wrote this epistle. Uh, I've preached on it before, but you know sometimes our, my own memory is short. But uh, Peter is writing this epistle to believers. He's writing it to Christians that are scattered kind of around the, the Roman Empire. They are uh, Jews and Gentiles. They are away from um, the temple at Jerusalem. They are away from typically the, even the synagogues in which they would have been used to, to worshiping. And, and Paul calls them pilgrims in, in chapter 1. Pilgrims, a, a people, a people that aren't at home yet. Right now, understand that's that's kind, that's where we are too. As as a believer, if you find yourself comfortable in the cultures of our world, and and frankly, I I think that at least for me, and hopefully for you too. Here, in this place, in Tuttle, Oklahoma, we, it seems like we're a little removed from what I see on the television screens and all that kind of stuff. But we do not be deceived. Our culture hates God. 
This, this world hates God. And if, and if we are not sensitive and careful to the culture around us, it will creep into our lives and affect our relationship with Almighty God. It just will. And I'm not saying that, you know, that, you know, that anything steals your salvation or anything like that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. But, but, there is a, but there is a propensity as we are not, if we are not engaged in the things of God, in the Word of God, and in standing for the Word of God, in which our spiritual lives are eroded. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I think that's what Scripture teaches, right? And uh, so we're, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about it a little bit. Right? How to how to live on this earth, you know, when our real citizenship was in heaven. That's what Paul was uh, was talking. I mean, what Peter was was talking to them about. Um, I want I want to start in First Peter chapter one, verses seventeen through twenty one, and it says this. It says, "If you call on the Father, who without partiality judges each one according to each one's work, conduct yourselves, conduct yourselves." Throughout the time of your stay here, in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. He says you've been redeemed through the blood of Jesus. Therefore, conduct yourselves in a manner that is consistent with that. In, in, a, in a, just a few verses, Peter is going to tell them that they are to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's going to be his instruction. To offer up physical, excuse me, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, I have a Bible dictionary that I've had for lands, I don't know, 40 years probably or more. Uh, I've had it since I was a young man and just began earnestly trying to study the Bible. You know, we, uh, we had a class at my church that I went to when, I was, uh, when Brenda and I were, were newlyweds back a long time ago. And, and in this class, the pastor, I mean, it was called uh, Shepherd's School. What a great name. Shepherd school. And it was to teach young men how to study the Bible and, 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 uh, and, our, and the pastor that we had. You know, of course, this was in the days before computers, right, or to any extent really before computers, you know, where you literally had a book that you had to keep. You know, so, so he said, you know, these the, men, if you're serious about studying the Bible, then here are the resources that you ought to have in your library. And one of those was a Bible dictionary. I mean, you know how to use a most of you know how to use a dictionary. You know, you just look the word up and it tells you generally, you know, what it means and gives some examples and and whatnot. 
And, and as I was thinking about Peter's instruction to these folks to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus, then I thought about what, what's a sacrifice? What's a sacrifice? No, and my Bible dictionary says this. Bible dictionary said sacrifice. It said the physical elements, the physical elements the worshiper brings to the deity to express devotion, thanksgiving, or the need for forgiveness. Sacrifice, the physical elements one brings to God to express devotion and thanksgiving. As we, as we look over these next several weeks at, at what those sacrifices are, we're going to, we're going to see that, and we're, unfortunately we're not going to get there today, but we're going to see that, that one of those sacrifices that, that the Bible speaks of is the sacrifice of our bodies. The sacrifice of our whole self. There's a lot to preach on in Romans chapter 12 right there. We're going to see that. We're going to see that sacrifice is sacrifice that is pleasing to God is the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise with our lips, both, both to God privately and publicly as we proclaim His goodness and mercy and, and all that He is. It's a sacrifice of praise. We, we're going to see that good works Good works don't save us, but good works are a sacrifice of worship to Almighty God that please Jesus Christ. Going to see that one of the sacrifices is a sacrifice of our possessions. Because in the sacrifice of our possessions, we say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I, with, with whatever, everything that you have given me, I, 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 they're yours for you to use. And, and it's a sacrifice of worship. It's, a, it's laying possessions on the altar as a, as a sacrifice. And there are, there are several others that we are going to look at. Now, we, we understand. We understand the concept of offering up sacrifices right from the Old Testament. I mean, we, we get that picture, right? People would bring their sacrifices of an unblemished animal, right, to the, to the priests. And the priests would, would stand before God or in the temple or in the tabernacle, right? And they would offer that sacrifice to God in, in, the, in deliverance or in, for forgiveness of, of sin or to please God. Now, in the New Covenant, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. We no longer, we no longer, in order to please God or to, in order to appease God, we no longer bring sacrifices to priests to offer because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And he only had to do it once, forever, for everybody. Right? And because of that, and because of that, Peter has said that, that those who have trusted in him through faith 
and have been redeemed by his blood, have been redeemed by the physical sacrifice of Christ, that we offer up spiritual sacrifices. No longer physical sacrifices. But now they are spiritual sacrifices that are, that are pleasing to God. Once the Holy Spirit draws us to believe, and we, and we in faith accept Christ as our Savior, then a process begins that, that uh, theologians call sanctification. It is that process that begins. Scripture says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And, and the Christian, the person that is trusted in Christ, begins this journey, begins this walk through the power of the Word of God, through the power of the Spirit of God, to grow in, her, in, spiritual, in their spiritual walk. Paul called it reaching forward. Forget behind. Reach forward. Press on for that upward call of Christ in Christ Jesus. It's called a lot of different things in Scripture. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, how much more in my absence. So he's talking about obedience. And then he says this, he says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, to us Baptists, that like causes the hair to stand up on your back of your head. Work out your own salvation. Salvation is not by works. Salvation is a gift from God by grace through faith. But, 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 but what Paul is saying when he says work out your own salvation, right? To, to work it out, it, it means to, to bring something to completion, not work to earn, right? Salvation is a gift by God. But Paul is teaching the Philippians that there is an active pursuing of Christ that occurs. Just like he had said, I press on, I reach forward, forget those things behind, go forward. There is an active pursuit of Christ in sanctification. Now, now, Paul also says in the very next verse, right? In the very next verse, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then in the very next verse, in fact, there's not even a period. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Paul says, you work out your own salvation? Oh, and it's God working out your own salvation. What? He doesn't explain it. He just tells us to believe it. And, it, and, it, and it's all through Scripture like that. God does it. But if there's some form or fashion in which we participate... Right? It's clear in the writings of Paul. Right? Forget those things which lie behind. Press on. Reach forward. Right? Uh, work out your own salvation. It's God that does it. It's an unavoidable tension in the Christian walk. Right? Here in Philippians chapter 2, 
verses 12 and 13, Paul says that it's through obedience, and yes, he says that it's, it's God that works to do it. Part of working out our own salvation, part of working out to, uh, to, to see fulfilled all that Christ had started in us and will finish in us is this deal of offering spiritual sacrifices to the Lord. All right, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. This is our text for today, and I have about 20 minutes. It says this, it says, Therefore, <clears throat> laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, <clears throat> if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Here it is. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. We're going to start today by looking at kind of those first three verses. I don't know if we'll get much further than that. It says, if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, verse 3. What is implied is that they had. They had tasted that the Lord is gracious. They, he, he, he's talking to those that he said have, already, have been redeemed by the blood. Right? If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, do you remember what it was like when you were first saved? Do you remember what it was like when you, what you felt under the burden of your own guilt for the, for the sin that you had committed, for the unbelief, for the wrong that you had done? When the Holy Spirit drew you and convinced you that in your sin you were going to hell. Because that's the truth of the matter. And do you remember what it was like when you confessed Jesus as Lord? And you asked Him to forgive you of your sin and you experienced that new life. You experienced that cleansing. You experienced that freedom from guilt. You experienced that newness. Do you remember what that was like? That's what Peter's saying. If indeed, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Right? If indeed you have tasted that, then this, is, then this is for you. And he starts with verse 1, and he says this, right? He says, if you have tasted that, then you should desire the pure milk of the Word. If you have tasted that, then you should desire the pure milk of the Word. The, the, the word desire there is an imperative verb that, that is a command to crave. It pictures an, 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 it pictures an intense, reoccurring, insatiable desire. Right now, I, I think it's interesting that, that Peter did not say that you should read the Word, study the Word, meditate on the Word, all of which is good. Right? But the command is to crave 
the Word. That if you've been saved, then crave the Word. Just, just, as, a, just as a newborn babe, the picture that he gives, right? Milk is the, the newborn's greatest need. It's a source of nourishment. It's a source of satisfaction. I have a new baby granddaughter named Elliot Ruth. Brenda and I were keeping Elliot Ruth a week or two ago. And Grandpa was holding her. And she started getting fussy. And she went from fussy to mad and screaming and crying just like that. And Brenda's like, she's hungry. I'm heating it up. I'm going. You know, she, she was after it, right? I mean, we were trying to solve this baby's issue. We knew that she was hungry, but we just got behind on it, I guess. And, and she was letting us know. Why? Because that's the way babies do. They crave that nourishment that is necessary for them. And they can't do without it. And they let you know that they can't do without it. And Paul says, or, or Peter says, not Paul, I'm getting, getting my apostles mixed up here. And Peter says, if you have tasted that the Lord, the, that the graciousness of the Lord, then, then you should crave that word. Like what a, that, a baby craves that milk. But he doesn't just say milk. He says Pure milk, right? He says pure milk. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's, it's not artificial milk. It's not fake milk. It's not diluted milk. It is the pure milk of the Word. It is all of Scripture. It is the absolute truth of God that is taught in this Word. You know, I was watching TV the other day. I don't know. We watch a lot of YouTube at my house. And there was some kind of a YouTube thing on. And, and uh, it was, I, I mean, I don't even remember who it was or what it was. But it was kind of on the state of the church. Right, And this guy that was doing the interviewing, he was kind of fired up that the church wasn't what it ought to be. You know, as you hear a lot, you know, if you're on, listen to the media and listen to Christians, you know, they, they're on the church for the church not being what it ought to be. And he's interviewing a really famous preacher, right? And he asked, he's, he's kind of on this preacher. And, and, and he asked him, you know, why, why don't you preach against homosexuality? Why don't you preach against, you know, this? Why don't you preach against that? And, and the, preacher's, the preacher's statement was, I stay in my lane. That the focus of my ministry, the focus of my preaching is the acceptance of God and the prosperity of God. So I stay in my lane. That's not what this is about. This is not about, this is not about listening to the Word of God to hear what you want to hear. Nor about preaching that way. If you guys ever think I'm preaching that way, you need to come and confront me about it. Because that is not my intent. I intend to preach the pure milk of the Word.
must be taught to us by the Holy Spirit. Yes, it must be read. Yes, it must be studied. Yes, it must be meditated upon. Right? It must, we must use it to fill our lives, right, with the Word of God. And there's so many ways of doing that. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I mean, I'm just amazed. Last night, I was, I was watching a little bit of TV. You know, I study a while and watch TV a little while and whatnot. And I'm kind of watching TV. And I have a listening device so that I can turn the volume all the way down and not bother anybody. And I can still hear TV. So I'm doing it that way. And I, I'm kind of standing in front of the TV, you know, after gone and getting me a drink of water. And, and, and I hear something, and it's, it's coming from Brenda's phone. <clears throat> I said, what are you, what are you listening to? And she said, I'm listening to my daily Bible reading. Did you hear that? Listening to my daily Bible reading. You can get on your phone and have your phone read to you the Word of God. How great is that? Pure milk of the Word. Pure milk of the Word. In this day, there's no reason that we can't each of us do it. It's also important, Paul tells Timothy, to rightly divide the Word of God. And, and I got thinking about that. You know, I thought, you know how blessed I am to have all this Bible study material and all this kind of stuff. So I thought, I wonder what just a normal person has. So I got on my computer on Google, and I typed in a word that I was interested in. And I asked Google, you got, I mean... I know they say this AI is going to be the end of the world, but right now it's pretty cool. So I asked I ask Google, what does the word, and I'm going to tell you in a minute, but what does the word blank mean in the Greek that is in Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4? And it come up and said the exact same thing all of my Bible study tools said. There's no reason. Every person can't rightly divide the word of truth. Yes, it takes some effort. But you know what? Paul says that we ought to do it. Excuse me, Peter says that we ought to do it. Well, here's, uh, I want to go back and I want to, Look first at kind of how he starts this verse. I've talked about the end of the chapter, verse 3. I've talked about verse 2, right? Verse 3, if you have tasted the word of God, verse 2, then desire the pure milk of the word. But, Paul, but Peter doesn't start there. He starts with this. He starts with therefore. See, he's, at the end of verse 1, he's already, he's already told them, right, that, that they have been uh, born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible. He says that this is the gospel that was preached. This was the gospel that they believed. And then he says this, therefore, because that's who you are. He says, lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and, ev and all evil speaking. As newborn babes, desire the pure miracle of the word that you may grow thereby. Therefore, lay aside. You know what that is? It's a call to repentance. Right? He says, you, you've been born again. You've been redeemed. Therefore, lay aside this stuff. Lay aside this sin. 
That word, the word lay aside is, is to reject, right? It's to take off. It's the same word that is used to describe back in, uh, uh, back in uh, New Testament days when uh, it, it was the custom of the church that when one come to be baptized, you know, they just they had their clothes on. And they would go out into the river or go out into the lake or into whatever it is that they were being, whatever pool of water that they were being baptized in. And they would be baptized in their clothes. And then immediately they would take off those clothes. And they would put on a new robe that was given to them by the church. That's the picture. Put off. Put off. Lay aside, lay aside sin. Here's the truth. Striving in our lives, in the elimination of sin, is a prerequisite for desiring the Word of God. You cannot desire to know more of Jesus. You cannot desire a closer walk with the Almighty. You cannot desire to grow in your walk while hanging on to sin. Doesn't work. The Word of God illuminates truth. The Word of God illuminates sin. The Word of God calls us to be different, calls us to repentance, calls us to be like that. And, and, and yet, it's easy to exalt self, like we talked about at the first. I've never counseled anybody that come to me with issues. Doesn't matter, I mean... Boyfriend, girlfriend problems, relationship issues in a marriage, uh, addiction, all, all kinds of stuff. You, you, can, you know. You know what we deal with. You know what you deal with, what people deal with, what your friends, your family, others deal with. I've never talked to anybody that when I asked them, where are you reading in the Bible right now, that could answer me. Because you cannot engage in lifestyles of hanging on to sin while pursuing the Word of God. You just can't do it. And, and Peter says, right, lay it aside. Lay it aside. Refusing to lay aside sin causes us to have no appetite for the Word of God. One of the things that I read this, this week said that... Um, said that, uh, that, that we're not hungry for the Word of God because we've satisfied our appetite with other stuff. I used to think about what my mama would say. You know, we get caught eating a snack, you know, a candy bar or something, you know, three or four o'clock in the afternoon. What'd mama say? You're going to ruin your dinner. You guys, any of you ever hear that? Yeah, you're going to ruin your dinner. What was she saying? She was saying you're satisfying your appetite with that junk and you're not going to be hungry for what is best. That's exactly what Peter's saying. That if you try to satisfy your life with junk, 
You'll have no appetite for the Word of God. Do you hunger for the Word of God? You should. We should. If we have tasted of the graciousness of the Lord, then there should be a hunger for the Word of God. And if you're, we're not hungry for the Word of God, perhaps we need to look at the sin in our life. He goes on and details all of it, but I, I don't have time to deal with it now. We'll talk about it a little bit more tonight, maybe. But you know, as you start the new year, I mean, until last night, I was behind in my reading already. A week, and I'm a preacher. Some of you are laughing. It ain't funny. It ain't funny. Why? Because I have an appetite for something else. Maybe it's sleep in the morning. Maybe it's TV at night. Maybe it's... I mean, I can't tell you what your appetite for sin is. You know. Or if you don't know, you bow your head and you pray, Oh, God, reveal to me why I don't have the appetite that I should have to hunger for your word. Caleb, come up and lead us in a hymn of invitation. Guys, stand. Such a simple, simple, simple message. Oh my goodness. There's no real secrets. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Hunger for His Word. Cast off sin. And that's a continual process. You don't just do it once. I have, I have to do it when I am aware of it multiple times a day. It's a fight. It is a pressing on. But because of the Holy Spirit of God, we're commanded to do it because we are empowered to do it. The Holy Spirit of God empowers us to live that way. You give yourself to the Lord right now. Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe you just need to say, Lord, help me to be hungry for your word.
Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you and we hope you have a blessed week.